Chapter Fourteen of Ormond by Maria Edgeworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Perry. A few days afterwards, Sheila, bursting into Dora's room, exclaimed, "Miss Dora, Miss Dora, for the love of God, they are coming! They're coming down the avenue, powdering along. Black Connell himself, flaming away, with one in a gold hat, this big, galloping after, and all gold over he is entirely." oh what will become of us master harry now oh it took the sight out of my eyes and yours as red as ferrets dear oh the creature but come to the window and look out nobody will mind stretch out the body and i'll hold ye fast never fear at the turn of the big wood do you see them behind the trees the fir dales glittering and flaming do you see them at all too plainly said dora sighing but i did not expect he would come in such a grand style i wonder oh so do i greatly mostly at the carriage never saw the like with the connells so grand but the queer thing ah my dear dor un cabriolet cried mademoiselle entering in ecstasy here is monsieur de connell for you in a french cabriolet and a french servant riding on to advertise you and all oh what are you twisting your neck child i will have no toss at him now he is all the gentleman you shall see so let me set you all to rights while your father is received i would not have him see you such a horrible figure not presentable you look i do not care how i look the worse the better said dora i wish to look a horrible figure to him to black connell oh put your black connells out of your head that is always in your mouth i tell you he is called monsieur de connell now did i not hear him this minute announced by his own valet monsieur de connell presents his compliments he begged permission to present himself and there was i luckily to answer for your father in french french sure black connell's irish born said sheila that much i know anyway a servant knocked at the door with king corney's request that the ladies would come downstairs to see as the footman added to his master's message to see old mr connell and the french gentleman there french i told you said mademoiselle and quite the gentleman depend upon it my dear come your ways no matter what he is said dora i shall not go down to see him so you had better go by yourself aunt not one step oh that would be the height of impolitesse and disobedience you could not do that my dear dora consider he is not a man that nobody knows like your old butor of a white connell not signify how bad you treat him like the dog but here is a man of a certain quality who knows the best people in paris who can talk and tell everywhere oh in conscience my dear dar i shall not suffer these airs with a man who is somebody and if he were the king of france cried dora if he were alexander the great himself i would not be forced to see the man or marry him against my will marry who talk of mary not come to that yet ten to one he has no thought of you more than politeness require oh as to that said dora aunt you certainly are mistaken there what do you think he comes over to ireland what do you think he comes here for hark then said sheila don't i hear them out of the window 
faith there they are walkin and talkin and laughin as if there was nothin at all in it just heavens what a handsome uniform said miss ophelia and a very proper lookin man said sheila well who'd have thought black connell if it's him would ever have turned out so fine a presence of a man to look at very cavalier indeed to go out to walk without waiting to see us said dora oh i will engage it was that dear father of yours hoisted him out hoisted him out well aunt you do sometimes speak the oddest english but i do think it strange that he should be so very much at his ease look at him hear him i wonder what he is saying and harry ormond give me my bonnet sheila behind you quick aunt let us go out of the garden door and meet them out walking by accident that is the best way i long to see how somebody will look very good now you look all life and spirit perfectly charming look that manner and i'll engage he will fall in love with you he had better not i could tell him unless he has a particular pleasure in being refused said dora with a toss of her head and neck and at the same time a glance at her looking-glass as she passed quickly out of the room dora and her aunt walked out and accidentally met the gentlemen in their walk as monsieur de connell approached he gave them full leisure to form their opinions as to his personal appearance he had the air of a foreign officer easy fashionable and upon uncommonly good terms with himself conscious but with no vulgar consciousness of possessing a fine figure and a good face his was the air of a french coxcomb who in unconstrained delight was rather proud to display than anxious to conceal his perfect self-satisfaction interrupting his conversation only when he came within a few paces of the ladies he advanced with an air of happy confidence and parisian gallantry begging that mr o'shane would do him the honour and pleasure to present him after a bow that said nothing to dora he addressed his conversation entirely to her aunt walking beside mademoiselle and neither approaching nor attempting to speak to dora he did not advert to her in the least and seemed scarcely to know she was present this quite disconcerted the young lady's whole plan of proceedings no opportunity was afforded her of showing disdain she withdrew her arm from her aunt's though mademoiselle held it as fast as she could but dora withdrew it resolutely and falling back a step or two took harry ormond's arm and walked with him talking with as much unconcern and as loudly as she could to mark her indifference but whether she talked or was silent walked on with harry ormond or stayed behind whispered or laughed aloud it seemed to make no impression no alteration whatever in monsieur de connell he went on conversing with mademoiselle and with her father alternately in french and english in english he spoke with a native irish accent which seemed to have been preserved from childhood but though the brogue was strong yet there were no vulgar expressions he spoke good english but generally with somewhat of french idiom whether this was from habit or affectation it was not easy to decide 
it seemed as if the person who was speaking thought in french and translated it into english as he went on the peculiarity of manner and accent for there was french mixed with the irish fixed attention and besides dora was really curious to hear what he was saying for he was very entertaining mademoiselle was in raptures while he talked of paris and versailles and various people of consequence and fashion at the court the dauphiness she was then but just married de connell had seen all the fetes and the fireworks but the beautiful dauphiness in answering a question of mademoiselle's about the color of her hair he for the first time showed that he had taken notice of dora nearly the color i think of that young lady's hair as well as one can judge but powder prevents the possibility of judging accurately dora was vexed to see that she was considered merely as a young lady she exerted herself to take a part in the conversation but mr connell never joined in conversation with her with the most scrupulous deference he stopped short in the middle of his sentence if she began to speak he stood aside shrinking into himself with the utmost care if she was to pass he held the boughs of the shrubs out of her way but continued his conversation with mademoiselle all the time when they came in from their walk the same sort of thing went on it really is very extraordinary thought she he seems as if he was spellbound obliged by his notions of politeness to let me pass incognita mademoiselle was so fully engaged chattering away that she did not perceive dora's mortification the less notice connell took of her the more dora wished to attract his attention not that she desired to please him no she only longed to have the pleasure of refusing him for this purpose the offer must be made and it was not at all clear that any offer would be made when the ladies went to dress before dinner mademoiselle while she was presiding at dora's toilette expressed how much she was delighted with monsieur de connell and asked what her niece thought of him dora replied that indeed she did not trouble herself to think of him at all that she thought him a monstrous coxcomb and that she wondered what could bring so prodigiously fine a gentleman to the black islands ask your own sense what brought him here or ask your own looking-glass what shall keep him here said miss ophelia i can tell you he thinks you very handsome already and when he sees you dress really he does me honour he did not seem as if he had even seen me more than any of the trees in the wood or the chairs in the room chairs oh now you fish for compliment but i shall not tell you how like he thinks you if you were mise à la françoise to la belle comtesse de barnac but is not it very extraordinary he absolutely never spoke to me said dora a very strange manner of paying his court mademoiselle assured dora that this was owing to monsieur de connell's french habits the young ladies in paris passing for nothing scarcely ever appearing in society till they are married the gentlemen have no intercourse with them and it would be considered as a breach of respect due to a young lady or her mother to address much conversation to her 
and you know my dear dor their marriages are all make up by the father the mother the friends the young people themselves never speak never know nothing at all about each one another till the contract is signed in fact the young lady is the little round what you call cipher but has no value in societe at all till the figure of the husband come to give it the value i have no notion of being a cipher said dora i am not a french young lady monsieur de connell ah but my dear dor consider what is the french wife ah then come her great glory then she reign over all hearts and is in full liberté to dress to go to come to do what she like with her own carriage her own box at the opera and you listen well and i shall draw all that out for you from monsieur de connell dora languidly sullenly begged her aunt would not give herself the trouble she had no curiosity but nevertheless she asked several questions about la comtesse de barnac and all the time saying she did not in the least care what he thought or said of her she drew from her aunt every syllable that monsieur de connell had uttered and was secretly mortified and surprised to find he had said so little she could not dress herself to her mind to-day and protesting she did not care how she looked she resigned herself into her aunt's hands whatever he might think she should take care to show him at dinner that young ladies in this country were not ciphers at dinner however as before all dora's preconcerted airs of disdain and determination to show that she was somebody gave way she did not know how before monsieur de connell's easy assurance and polite indifference his knowledge of the world and his talents for conversation with the variety of subjects he had flowing in from all parts of the world gave him advantages with which there was no possibility of contending he talked and carved all life and gaiety and fashion he spoke of battles of princes plays operas wine women cardinals religion politics poetry and turkeys stuffed with truffles and paris for ever dash on at everything hit or miss sure of the applause of mademoiselle and as he thought secure of the admiration of the whole company of natives from le beau-père at the foot of the table to the boy who waited or who did not wait opposite to him but who stood entranced with wonder at all that monsieur de connell said and all that he did even to the fashion in which he stowed trusses of salad into his mouth with a fork and talked through it all and dora what did she think she thought she was very much mortified that there was room for her to say so little the question now was not what she thought of monsieur de connell but what he thought of her after beginning with various little mock defences avertings of the head and twists of the neck of the shoulders and hips compound motions resolvable into mauvaise honte and pride as dinner proceeded and monsieur de connell's success was undoubted she silently gave up her resolution not to admire before the first course was over connell perceived that he had her eye 
before the second is over thought he i shall have her ear and by the time we come to the dessert i shall be in a fair way for the heart though he seemed to have talked without any design except to amuse himself and the company in general yet in all he had said there had been a prospective view to his object he chose his means well and in mademoiselle he found at once a happy dupe and a confederate without previous concert they raised visions of parisian glory which were to prepare the young lady's imagination for a french lover or a french husband monsieur de Connell was well aware that no matter who touched her heart if he could pique her vanity after dinner when the ladies retired old mr Connell began to enter upon the question of the intended union between the families ormond left the room and corney suppressed a deep sigh monsieur de Connell took an early opportunity of declaring that there was no truth in the report of his going to be married in england he confessed that such a thing had been in question he must speak with delicacy but the family and connections did not suit him he had a strong prejudice he owned in favour of ancient family irish family he had always wished to marry an irish woman for that reason he had avoided opportunities that might have occurred of connecting himself perhaps advantageously in france he was really ambitious of the honour of an alliance with the o'shanes nothing could be more fortunate for him than the friendship which had subsisted between his father and mr o'shane and the promise relinquish it oh that he assured mr o'shane was quite impossible provided the young lady herself should not make a decided objection he should abide by her decision he could not possibly think of pressing his suit if there should appear any repugnance in that case he should be infinitely mortified he should be absolutely in despair but he should know how to submit cost him what it would he should think as a man of honour it was his part to sacrifice his wishes to what the young lady might conceive to be for her happiness he added a profusion of compliments on the young lady's charms with a declaration of the effect they had already produced on his heart this was all said with a sort of nonchalance which corney did not at all like but mademoiselle who was summoned to corney's private counsel gave it as her opinion that monsieur de Connell was already quite in love quite as much as a french husband ever was she was glad that her brother-in-law was bound by his promise to a gentleman who would really be a proper husband for her niece mademoiselle in short saw everything couleur de rose and she urged that since monsieur de Connell had come to ireland for the express purpose of forwarding his present suit he ought to be invited to stay at corney castle that he might endeavour to make himself acceptable to dora to this corney acceded he left mademoiselle to make the invitation for he said she understood french politeness and all that better than he did the invitation was made and accepted with all due expressions of infinite delight well my dear harry ormond said corney the first moment he had an opportunity of speaking to harry in private 
what do you think of this man what miss o'shane thinks of him is the question said harry with some embarrassment that's true it was too hard to ask you but i'll tell you what i think between ourselves black connell is better than white inasmuch as a puppy is better than a brute we shall see what dora will say or think soon the aunt is over head and ears already women are mighty apt to be taken one way or another with a bit of a coxcomb vanity vanity but still i know i suspect dora has a heart from me i hope she has a right to a heart but i will say no more till i see which way the heart turns and settles after all the little tremblings and variations when it points steady i shall know how to steer my course i have a scheme in my head but i won't mention it to you harry because it might end in disappointment so go off to bed and to sleep if you can you have had a hard day to go through my poor honourable harry and poor honourable harry had many hard days to go through he had now to see how dora's mind was gradually worked upon not by a new passion for mr connell never inspired or endeavoured to inspire passion but by her own and her aunt's vanity mademoiselle with constant importunity assailed her and though dora saw that her aunt's only wish was to settle in paris and to live in a fine hotel and though dora was persuaded that for this her aunt would without scruple sacrifice her happiness and that of harry ormond yet she was so dazzled by the splendid representation of a parisian life as not to see very distinctly what object she had herself in view connell's flattery too though it had scarcely any pretence to the tone of truth or passion yet contrasting with his previous indifference gratified her she was sensible that he was not attached to her as harry ormond was but she flattered herself that she should quite turn his head in time she tried all her power of charming for this purpose at first chiefly with the intention of exciting harry's jealousy and forcing him to break his honourable resolution harry continued her first object for some little time but soon the idea of piquing him was merely an excuse for coquetry she imagined that she could recede or advance with her new admirer just as she thought proper but she was mistaken she had now to deal with a man practised in the game he might let her appear to win but not for nothing would he let her win a single move yet he seemed to play so carelessly as not in the least to alarm or put her on her guard the bystanders began to guess how the game would terminate it was a game in which the whole happiness of dora's life was at stake to say nothing of his own and ormond could not look on without anxiety and notwithstanding his outwardly calm appearance without strong conflicting emotions if said he to himself i were convinced that this man would make her happy i think i could be happy myself but the more he saw of connell the less he thought him likely to make dora happy 
unless indeed her vanity could quite extinguish her sensibility then monsieur de connell would be just the husband to suit her connell was exactly what he appeared to be a gay young officer who had made his own way up in the world a petit maitre who had really lived in good company at paris and had made himself agreeable to women of rank and fortune he might perhaps as he said with his figure and fashion and connections have made his fortune in paris by marriage had he had time to look about him but a sudden run of ill fortune at play had obliged him to quit paris for a season it was necessary to make his fortune by marriage in england or ireland and as expeditiously as possible in this situation dora with her own and her aunt's property was as he considered it an offer not to be rashly slighted nor yet was he very eager about the matter if he failed here he should succeed elsewhere this real indifference gave him advantages with dora which a man of feeling would perhaps never have obtained or never have kept her father though he believed in the mutable nature of woman yet could scarcely think that his daughter dora was of this nature he could scarcely conceive that her passion for harry ormond that passion which had but a short time before certainly affected her spirits and put him in fear for her health could have been conquered by a coxcomb who cared very little whether he conquered or not how was this possible good corney invented many solutions of the problem he fancied one hour that his daughter was sacrificing herself from duty to him or complaisance to her aunt the next hour he settled and with more probability that she was piqued by harry ormond's not showing more passion king corney was resolved to know distinctly how the matter really was he therefore summoned his daughter and aunt into his presence and the person he sent to summon them was harry ormond come back with them yourself harry i shall want you also harry returned with both the ladies by the countenance of cornelius o'shane they all three augured that he had something of importance to say and they stood in anxious expectation he went to the point immediately dora i know it is the custom on some occasions for ladies never to tell the truth therefore i shall not ask any question that i think will put your truth to the test i shall tell you my mind and leave you to judge for yourself take as long or as short a time to know your own mind as you please only know it clearly and send me your answer by your aunt all i beg is that when the answer shall be delivered to me this young man may be by don't interrupt me dora i have a high opinion of him said he keeping his eye upon dora's face i have a great esteem affection love for him he pronounced the words deliberately that he might see the effect on dora but her countenance was as undecided as her mind no judgment could be formed from its changes i wish harry ormond continued he to know all my conduct he knows that long ago i made a foolish promise to give my daughter to a man i knew nothing about 
mademoiselle was going to interrupt but cornelius o'shane silenced her mademoiselle sister ophelia i will do the best i can to repair that folly and to leave you at liberty dora to follow the choice of your heart he paused and again studied her countenance which was agitated her choice is your choice her father's choice is always the choice of the good daughter said mademoiselle i believe she is a good daughter and that is the particular reason i am determined to be as good a father as i can to her dora wept in silence and mademoiselle a good deal alarmed wanted to remove harry ormond out of the young lady's sight she requested him to go to her apartment for a smelling-bottle for her niece no no said king corney go yourself sister ophelia if you like it but i'll not let harry ormond stir he is my witness present dora is not fainting if you would only let her alone she would do well dora listen to me if you really don't prefer this black connell for a husband to all other men as you are to swear at the altar you do if you marry him dora was strongly affected by the solemn manner of her father's appeal to her if continued her father you are not quite clear my dear child that you prefer him to other men do not marry him i have a notion i can bring you off without breaking my word listen i would willingly give half my fortune to secure your happiness my darling if i do not mistake him mr connell would for a less sum give me back my promise and give you up altogether my dear dora dora's tears stopped mademoiselle's exclamations poured forth and they both declared they were certain that mr connell would not for anything upon earth that could be offered to him give up the match corney said he was willing to make the trial if they pleased mademoiselle seemed to hesitate but dora eagerly accepted the proposal thanked her father for his kindness and declared that she should be happy to have and to abide by this test of mr connell's love if he were so base as to prefer half her fortune to herself she should she said think herself happy in having escaped from such a traitor dora's pride was wakened and she now spoke in a high tone she always even in the midst of her weaknesses had an ambition to show spirit i will put the test to him myself within this hour said corney and before you go to bed this night when the clock strikes twelve all three of you be on this spot and i will give you his answer but stay harry ormond we have not had your opinion would you advise me to make this trial certainly sir but if i should lose half of dora's fortune you would think it well bestowed i am sure sir in securing her from an unhappy marriage but then she might not perhaps so easily find another lover with half a fortune that might make a difference hey harry impossible i should think sir that it could make the least difference in the affection of any one who really who was really worthy of miss o'shane the agitation into which harry ormond was thrown flattered and touched dora for the moment 
her aunt hurried her out of the room cornelius o'shane rang and inquired where mr connell was in his own apartment writing letters his servant believed o'shane sent to beg to see him as soon as he was at leisure at twelve o'clock dora mademoiselle and ormond were all in the study punctually as the clock was striking well what is monsieur de connell's answer cried mademoiselle if he hesitate my dear dor give him up that minute undoubtedly said dora i have too much spirit to do otherwise what's his answer father his answer my dear child has proved that you knew him better than i did he scorns the offer of half your fortune for your whole fortune he would not give you up i thought so cried dora triumphantly i thought so echoed mademoiselle i did him injustice cried ormond i am glad that monsieur de connell has proved himself worthy of you dora since you really approve of him you have not a friend in the world next to your father who wishes your happiness more sincerely than i do he hurried out of the room there's a heart for you said corney not for me said mademoiselle he has no passion in him i give you joy dora said her father i own i misjudged the man on account of his being a bit of a coxcomb but if you can put up with that so will i when i have done a man injustice i will make it up to him every way i can now let him he has my consent be as great a coxcomb as ever wore red heels i'll put up with it all since he really loves my child i did not think he would have stood the test nor would he had not he been properly prepared by mademoiselle she had before monsieur de connell went to corney sent him a little billet which told him the test that would be proposed and thus prevented all possibility of her dear niece's being disappointed in her lover or her husband End of chapter fourteen